1: Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a, I, I'm just going to say, children's entertainer extraordinaire, but also, much more importantly, uh, a former rider of Bus, I believe 227, in the, on I don't know what line you'd call that on, but anyway... She used to ride the bus with me. It's Carly Shiraki, everybody.
0: It was bus seven. Was it bus, bus seven?
1: Bus seven. It was bus seven. Yeah, just why a plane I over, seven. No twos, I over, just a seven. Why did ever complicate that? That's weird. Those numbers didn't stick in my head <laughs> oh, anyway. My so Okay, goodness. we were bus seven, yes, eons I'm ago. I'm pretty
0: sure this was uh, after you got off, but there was like a portion of the bus ride that included two major bumps. That mm. Those were like the crowning moments of the ride. It's like, where are you going to sit? when the big bump happens like you want you want a whole seat to yourself if you can swing it if sure. not you want to make sure you're sitting with somebody special for the <laughs> big bump so you're gonna fly out of your seat that was the, that was like the very end of the ride i haven't right. thought about bus seven in a long time <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we're not only here to talk about private school busing we're uh, <laughs> you've come here today to talk about
0: i'm here to talk about god's spell.
1: when will Save the people Oh God until you put it in the email that you did this in high school with my brother and I saw it. I knew that my brother had done it, but I didn't realize you were in, you were at Archmere at that point and had done Godspell. So. well, Was I forgettable in the production of Godspell? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I think Roddy was so memorable. (laughs) It's the real, you know, he just crowded everybody (laughs) else out of it. So I usually start by asking how the show came into someone's life, but is that how Godspell came into your life? When you were in it? Yeah.
0: So, um, When I was a junior in high school, uh, Archmere Academy, uh, the spring musical was Godspell, and it was it was the first show of that kind that I had ever been involved. And I had done like you know musical theater in community theater and in in my high school, Um, but the shows had been much more traditional. And Godspell obviously is like an ensemble based you know series of I mean it obviously tells a larger story but but there are so many um moments that that are more like sketches um so it felt to me my memory of it is that it was like an ensemble sketch show
1: yeah, it's very much that way it's a very it's a very yeah I think sketches is probably the best way to say sketch song sketch song, sketch song, and then in act two, it comes together in a kind of like more cohesive more of a flow i wouldn't even say that it's like a cohesive story i mean it is obviously but like it doesn't really get a story going until the very very end and what did you sing uh
0: i sang turn back
1: oh man forswear thy foolish way
0: that is like the sort of saucy romp that happens. um, I believe it's the top of the second act.
1: Yes, it is. I actually
0: found the DVD from the production from my high school production, oh, like my. three or four weeks ago. No, wait, no, it was like two months ago. I, time is so weird right now, but it yes, was like it I had just moved into this apartment at the beginning of the pandemic, and I was going through all of my um, old stuff and found the gospel DVD. And I was like, "Please work, please work," <laughs> and I put it in, and it was like, <laughs> and so I come back from the back of the auditorium. And it's funny because in my memory, we sold out every show and that that production of Godspell like rocked the community of Archmere and like the <laughs> basketball <laughs> players sat next to the cross country runners who sat next to the science kids who sat next to the, you know, like cool kids. I don't know. It just like, mm-hmm. it felt like such a powerful experience to me. But watching the DVD back, you see me come from the back of the audience. So there's just like 10 people. Oh, really? And, I, and I'm like, and I'm like coming down the aisle. I honestly I think it was a matinee though. I think that this was just a lightly uh, attended sure. product like show. I think I think we did we did sell well. Um not that that's what it's about, but um but uh I'll tell you, they really for a, ca- a private Catholic school there's a moment where I turn to the stage and I face Eric Longo who was p- playing the part of of Jesus and I go I'm like, uh, wh- what is the line? like?
1: Come here, Jesus, I got something to show you. I was like, 16? <laughs> what? Well, Stand do you know alert. who, uh, who um, originated that part? This is funny. Uh, a little. Because of what you do. Do you know who? Actually, no, I don't. So it was originated, that role, by Sonia Manzano, uh, better known to... Um, uh children everywhere oh my gosh I'm blanking on her name hang on for one second
0: Sesame Street
1: yes but what's the character the character's name is what I'm Maria Maria there we go better known to children everywhere especially our age as Maria and so it's very funny (laughs) that she because when the uh, from what I've heard from interviews with Stephen Schwartz and and people involved in the original production it was supposed to be kind of a bit that she was, she was very young. I think she was like 19 and she was small and she, it was just kind of funny that she was doing the sort of like Mae West number, but every production I've ever seen. And the one I directed in college, it was always done in a very sexy way to kind of kick off like a genuinely attemptive, sexy way. And then, you know, moves into the rest of act two. But yeah, it's funny to think that uh, like Sonia Manzano pre uh, pre-Sesame Street was, is the one on this recording. Yeah,
0: that's that's wild. And I mean, I have to admit, I I don't know. Like, that production was incredibly important to me for a bunch of reasons. Um, not super, like, I can't roll, rattle off facts. Like, I don't know who was in the original cast. I do, however, know, I, I love the movie. And um, Lynn Thigpins, Oh, bless the Lord, my soul in the movie. And she was the chief on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, yes. which was my absolute favorite show growing up. And when I was like seven or eight, I, I recreated an episode of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego that I hosted in my basement. Um, but, but Lynn Thigpen as the chief was my favorite because she was like the, the detective given the, 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 you know, the missions to right. everybody. Yeah. Um, so I I love I love that she is in that movie, and she oh, also yes. was the voice of she was a voice on Bear and the Big Blue House.
1: That's that's what's funny about like though the show and and the 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 sort of fame of it and the number of people who have done it both before and then after you did it in high school when it was obviously on Broadway in the in the like 2011 is everybody has a specific sort of connection with this show i think in in theater i've never met anybody who didn't if they didn't do it they at least saw it at some point before they Mm -hmm. you know got to college and most people i know have done it um at least once i know a couple people who've done it more than once and every production is the same and every production is a little bit different and it really has like it, it connects you with the people who did it in other places in a really weird way. I think because it's such a small cast, too, is another big advantage to that.
0: The thing that um, was so special to me about that production as opposed to every other show I had ever done before, I had done such, like, traditional plays and musicals, the thing that's special about Godspell is that you can kind of make it your own. Every ensemble can, can choose how they want to interpret each of these, you know, parables and sketches. And I had, I had never quite been a part of something like that to that scale. I think I had done theater camps where people were, you know, making up things together. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to be involved in the like artistic choices um, and and no other show after that, or before that, at Archmere was like that, it was always like we're going to do this musical, these are the parts everyone's going to play. It wasn 't like we were taking a lot of like artistic liberties with things, um, but I think it was a combination of this specific group of kids um, that year that everybody was just like really willing to find out like, okay, what can we do to make this ours um, and so that was really powerful to me, and am I track the rest of my life it's like that 's the way I like to work as an adult in like you know highly collaborative. Um, like group-generated
1: projects. Because mm-hmm. you were not new, as you say, to theater at all when you did when you did this show. I know you'd been doing community theater at the Drama League for years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Point. I started doing community theater at the Wilmington Drama League when I was eight. So I had, you know, been around it. It's like half um, your life
1: at that point, but
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was always a little different doing it at school because um because it was just kids you know and it, the nice thing actually what i love about community theater is that it is intergenerational and everybody's working together as peers mm-hmm. towards the same project but but that, i guess that that actually is another thing about godspell that's great is it feels like um it you don't have like kids playing adults in the same way you do in another show, it's like it really does feel like an ensemble that is telling a story as a group and everybody's taking on different parts. So it it felt like it was more authentic to be able to um, tell that story versus like the feeling of being like a high school, Schooler playing like Reno Sweeney, which my sister did very, very well. But <laughs> you know, there's also there's also another thing that happened with that production of Godspell, which I'm sh- you maybe you remember this. I don't know. Roddy definitely does that during uh, tech week. There was a horrible bl- blizzard, and so like two full days of our tech rehearsals were cancelled and we were like what are we gonna do what are we gonna do the show the show (laughs) and we ended up like having like a phone tree and we met up at Jenny Torgerson's house like in the middle of this blizzard and like rehearsed the show in her living room because we were like we open in two days and like we've gotta be ready and like so that experience I mean talk about like you know we're going through (laughs) a uh, group crisis right now but on a small scale Mm -hmm. it's like we went through this little crisis together and pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps Um, and so i think that's the other reason why it was such a powerful experience for everybody
1: yeah i think it's a very bonding show i think it's a show that really brings people together in the best of times and that sort of as you know trial by fire circumstance really can bring a group of people together and i think if you add on top of that that you're all in high school together it's a like an extra you know like extra on top of extra on top of extra was it 10 of you did you use is it 10 actors or was it more it was
0: definitely more than that that stage was full for like any any like even even turn back oh man like at the end it's like i'm coming down the aisles and i'm like singing at eric longo and then i come up on the stage and then like 30 people emerge from the wings to make a kick line (laughs) <laughs> and I was watching, I was watching the DVD, and I, I've got like a, a hand mic, and I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to like initiate the kick line at the center of the line mm-hmm. with my mic in one hand, and I'm supposed to like stomp and like start the kick line and I did it on the wrong beat so everybody's oh. off and oh, it's 100% oh, my fault <laughs> oh
1: goodness oh, goodness no. uh, I was like oh girl you were nervous you were nervous you were you were well you were 16 you know maybe that was just like a
0: preview yeah exactly oh exactly. it was a
1: preview okay
0: I'm just trying to understand why there were so few people yeah
1: that doesn't make, I, I, I don't, I mean, I can't say that I took, like, I have a tremendous memory of the, of the audience yeah. at the production, but it, it, like, it was relatively full. I didn't notice that it wasn't full. I'll say that. And so, because that would stick in my head because I definitely would have made fun of Roddy for that later. So yeah. like, these are the facts that stick in your head. So from, from there, after you did Godspell, where did that, how did that, sh- like you, you presented as a watershed moment, how did that shape you kind of going forward?
0: I think, and I, I don't know how much of this I was like fully aware of in the moment, but it really was the experience of, of being involved in a show from an ensemble perspective where we were throwing out ideas and coming up with stuff. And by the end of it, I don't know, you know, whose idea that moment was or, or who contributed like that choice, but, um but whatever happened couldn't have happened if that group had not been in the room altogether throwing things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was like a different sense of pride, like the experience of like having a lead part in a show and like feeling like you nailed your solo or whatever is one thing. But there was such a feeling of like, look what we did. We did that. Um, that was just very powerful to me. And I had never felt anything quite like it before. And then I noticed that in college, I went to Northwestern and Northwestern has a student theater scene that is, it is run like the Chicago theater scene, which the Chicago theater scene is made up of ensemble based theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like this beautiful network of small theaters that are run um, by, you know, like really cohesive groups of people and just like it's it's a city that runs on these ensembles. And so the student theater scene at Northwestern was was the same way. It was like all student led. There were like all these different theater companies that each had their own mission statement and you could apply to be on a board as a freshman and then um, you know, move on from there. And uh and so when I when I look back at my Northwestern experience, it's like I was I was chasing after the same thing that the Godspell experience gave me. Like I so wanted to be a part of a of a of a team. Um Rather than just like a single performer looking to play a part in a show, it feels like two different things to me. Maybe I don't know. Does it sound? Does that make sense? That
1: makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it it's sort of like the difference to, between improv and stand up in comedy to me a little bit. Where like there's there are people who do both, and there's people who get, get involved in both, obviously, but you can't do improv without other people. You can't, like, that's the goal is you're making this comedy with other people in the moment, and you need the group to do it. And then stand-up is a much more like, this is me, this is what I think, and this is, I stand here and I tell you these jokes. And they're both, the similar bug, I think there's a comedy bug, and obviously there's people who do both, but it's whether you want to be yeah. whether you like if it's important you you feel your voice is better heard by itself or if you feel your voice is better when mingled with, with other. yeah people. and I
0: think it's also like um the the experience of being with a group of people that are going to work together to to make something is like mm-hmm. always what I was interested in like I the fact that I grew up doing community theater like I was there to be on stage and to like say the lines but I was also there to like hang out with everybody and like get to know different types of people. And, and so I think, um, like my, my, after I graduated from school and was living in Chicago, I was a part of, I was moving towards communities. Always. I went through the different, some different improv places. I, I was a part of companies. Um, whereas I feel like now, now that I live in New York, the experience of being a performer in New York to me seems much more like singular. Like mm-hmm. I, it is one person like looking for their path or looking for the show they're going to do or the project they're going to make versus looking for an artistic home. That's going to be your like community home base. And so that to me, that's like some of my like guiding principles as a human being. And when I'm like, Oh, where'd that come from? Or like, when can I start, when do I start noticing that pattern? And it just like all comes back to God's bill.
1: Mm-hmm. but also i mean would you say that coming from a very large family also has a play in that because you guys i mean you guys still if you follow uh, carly on instagram you guys are hilarious as a group i must say <laughs> um and you know obviously that there's a little in, like inside knowledge i have that you have two hilarious parents also so that helps a lot but it, it seems that these things you're talking about, about being part of a, a part of a group. One thing that I wonder about is that, did you, I mean, when you went on television, when you, when you, you know, started doing children's television, you were kind of out there by yourself a lot. You didn't have obviously puppets around you and some people, but it was still a very solo performance experience. Was that kind of a jarring thing for you in that regard? Or was it such a collaborative show behind the scenes that it didn't matter once you got out in front.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, like, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Like, look at me. I'm like, wow, I just look for all these communities to join. Where did I get that <laughs> idea? It's like I'm the oldest of seven kids, so right. I've been a part of a squad since, like, you know, age eight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and when I think about what I put them through, it was like, it was like okay, be in my play. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the stuff I've built for the play that we're going to do together. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely – from an early age started to like appreciate what it is to like be a part of a large group. Um, But it's sunny side up, which is the show I hosted for sprout um, for five years, six years, five years, five years. Um, It, even though the, the experience on the outside was just me and uh, a puppet, it was a super, super collaborative. Like it totally checks out the way that show worked is there were four hosts, human hosts it Mm -hmm. is important to make the distinction in my line of work four human hosts (laughs) and then and then four puppeteers who also doubled as producers and we doubled as producers too Mm -hmm. and the four of us would rotate to like working together so you'd be in different teams every week um because we were each on on air for one week at a time uh, and the way the show worked is it would come on it was called sunny setup it would come on in between every show that aired on sprout um, for like a couple of minutes of just interactivity and play with um, a host and chica the chicken puppet um, to bridge the gap between the different shows mm-hmm. and the content was written by us as we were preparing each week specific to the shows that were coming on air so not just like barney but the specific episode of Barney. So if, if uh, they had you know programmed at 9.30 to have an episode of Barney where he's flying a kite, then right after that episode, it's going to go to Carly and Chica, and we're going to show you how to make a kite out of stuff that you've found around the house. So the experience of working in the little duo, I mean, yes, it was only two people, but it was the, it was the two of us watching all the shows that we're going to air during our block the upcoming week, writing content that was going to fit the themes of the different shows. And then, I mean, the work week was so fun. You'd brainstorm on like a Monday and a Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, new- noon, you'd go into a pitch meeting with like 10 people and be like, all right, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we came up with. And the props people would be like, okay, I think we can do that. And our executive producer would be like, mm, "You know what I think I think you got to change this, this, and this, and then you know a couple other people would weigh in, and then the next day we 'd go to our our audio guy and we 'd build out any music that we may have written for the week, and then double check in with props on Thursday, rehearse some stuff on Friday, go live on monday so it was um, it was like a, a smaller version of the process of being in a community theater production where we're like making up what we're going to do and we're designing every element of it. And we've got a, we've got too little time to execute it. uh, And we're going to be flying by the seat of our pants. This is, that's exactly how I love to work. You were
1: live on in between the shows? Yeah.
0: So wow. the, the show was on from, from 9 to noon every day. And okay. we'd come on at 9 and be like, what's up? It's Tuesday. <laughs> we got some weather reports from around the country. Who's having a birthday? Now you're going to go watch Barney. See ya. And then it'd come back to us and we'd be like, wow, that was great. Now we're going to make a kite. And then now you're going to go watch Super Why. And then there's an episode of Super Why. comes back to us and we're like – well, they were singing a song. We're gonna write our own song. I'm gonna pull out my ukulele and whatever. So the idea is that a kid watching at home, or hopefully like a family watching at home, starts to realize that you can watch television and use it as a jumping off point for play. Instead of having it be a passive experience, it becomes a an active experience to inspire you know creativity and um, other sorts of like investigations around the house. Just like how you can pull out a theme from television and make it playable. And to bring it back to Godspell. like That's how that show is built. It's like you're taking these parables and you're making them playable for the stage. And each cast that works with those parables can choose to feel out what is playable for their group and for their skill set. And then like let that be the way that story is told. So it all tracks.
1: It does. No, it, 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 as, as you were saying it, that was clicking for me. The, 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 it's very much... What makes Godspell such a funny show to me is it is sort of like TYA for adults. It, it It is, you know, it's obviously, it was a main stage mm-hmm. off-Broadway show. It's run on Broadway a couple of times. It is meant and designed and written for a, ostensibly an adult audience. But it is written for an adult audience with very children's show, family show themes in it. And styles. I mean, obviously the original was done with, you know, everybody's dressed as a clown. And it is really meant to be, Emphasizing the play aspect of these bible stories you've that most some of us have heard a billion times since we were however old and you know, knew by the seat of our pants, we didn't have to, you know, (laughs) we knew the stories. We didn't have to to really learn them that much. Anytime I've done Godspell, everybody was, you know, good Catholic school students. We knew these stories and we knew them well. (laughs) Now, when you guys did did the production, how much, pardon me, I do not remember the answer to this question, even though I saw it. How much did you lean into the clowning aspect of it? It
0: definitely, we like, we, we were doing the clown choice like Mm -hmm. that was for sure the choice that was made um in the sense that like that informed i think that the style of the show was was very like physical comedy and um uh, the the style of the the sketches like the parables were told with a lot of physical comedy and the wardrobe choices like i was wearing like shorts on top of pants and like a bathing suit top on top of a t-shirt. And like, it was like totally silly. I think I had like a huge like feather in my hair. It was, it was, it was wild. Um, And it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I after that. And after college, I actually did a lot of training in red nose clown. And so mm. like my understanding of, of clown is like, has, has, Grown in uh, specificity over the years, um, but but for sure, like that is what we were what we were doing. Um, so I think that was also like an early planting of that seed for me too. And
1: was that something the director sort of let you pick what you wanted to wear and then was approved, obviously. But like, was it very at that level of individual, like allowing you guys to create yeah, characters? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It was like, this is the shape of the character as written mm. and this is who you are. So you get to pick. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like the amount of agency we had over the stuff, the fact that I was wearing stuff from my own closet, like I had not done a show where i was wearing stuff from my own closet before um so it was a uh, it was a really to, to have that kind of ownership over over a production
1: it was really cool it seems like it really took like the 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 level to which you took it personally it it seems to be very very high where even like beyond the sort of level of Regular high school investment. I mean, I think we'd all say all of us who've done high school theater, like we're very invested in the show for varying degrees of reasons. But everybody's very invested. The sense of ownership you seem to take over the production and then subsequent work seems very unique to me. It seems very like how personal and, huh. and prideful you. Yeah, are. I
0: wonder. Well, because it's funny because like the next year we did Guys and Dolls, <laughs> and I was Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, and like I I can't tell you a whole lot about how that felt. Like I. Mm-hmm it's it's crazy to me that the godspell experience was so profound whereas like if you think about like a senior in high school like that should have been like my crowning moment it was like adelaide and it was it was it was really fun and uh, uh you know i think it was a blast but you know it felt like i was i was stepping into something and like playing pretend mm-hmm. whereas what we were doing with godspell was like i, I don't know I don't know why it felt more connected. I don't even know how how much my memory holds up. Like for all I know, it did just look like all of us having fun with each other in a way that didn't include the audience. But I do think, I do remember hearing Back to Me reflected from the teachers like this this was a special show this year. And the last time they had done Godspell, however many years before that, it had also been
1: a really special production. I think just because the show was special. So when did children's television or or family entertainment, whatever you want to call it. When did that become a focus for you? I mean, I
0: sort of fell into it. I was, I was working at this early childhood education center mm-hmm. hired by this Archmere grad. And it was just one, it was one of many day jobs. I mean, that's like, you know, you graduate college in Chicago, you move to the city, you work like 20 jobs. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like what everybody was doing. Sure. So, um, so all of my jobs had to do with, with teaching or hosting, just like, I, that's just like how it shook out. I was either I was teaching like mommy and me classes, baby. Basically, um, I was hosting events for Radio Disney, so it's basically like a glorified bar mitzvah DJ at these like uh, outdoor <laughs> events. It's like, like that's the easiest way to describe it. Oh, Carly, wish well, you could have like, seen that. Like it's oh. the height of high school. <laughs> oh my god! It it really was so much fun. It was like the height of high school musical fame. It, and nice so it was like let's all do the dance moves to the high school musical and then like it'd be like me as the dj and then like dancers so it was like truly it was like a bar mitzvah everybody would dance and like i'd give the best dancers like tickets to a jonas brothers concert and they'd lose their mind wow. it was like i was very powerful to be able to offer that but uh yeah and then i did um <laughs> I've got the Jonas yeah, Brothers tickets. tickets and you will dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, then, uh, and then I worked for another company called um, Barrel of Monkeys, which is now called Playmakers Laboratories in Chicago, uh, which would go into schools and uh, do writing workshops with the kids and take the stories that they would write and then turn them into sketches and songs and perform them back at the school. Um, so all of everything I was doing was just like, now that I look back, I'm like, it was just like, Setting my destiny up to like only work in family entertainment forever, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it then. It was just like those are the jobs I was getting, and um, and I was also like working as an, an actor on the side of all of that, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then the Sunny Side Up audition came right as I was starting to kind of burn out from working so many jobs, so I was like, Yeah, let me take this audition because it would mean having one job instead of you know eight, and it was they're based in Philly, so I was like, Okay, cool like move back to the East coast. That could be fun. My parents were like, Oh, you're moving home. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. not. Yeah, like, right. what? <laughs> I love Delaware. Like absolutely a hundred percent love Delaware, but I'm just not trying to live there. I wasn't trying to live there in my mid twenties. So. And then did
1: Sprout move to New York during your tenure? There? Yeah. So af- after like
0: two and a half years, yeah. After two and a half years in Philly, the network moved to New York and we did Two and a half more years as Sprout in New York, and then the network rebranded as Universal Kids, and they replaced Sunny Setup with a show called Snug's House, and then I made a couple other shows for them, and then they started, like, diffusing their original programs department, like, two years ago, so I ended my full-time contract with them two years ago. Uh, even though like a bunch of my shows are still running, I'm not like under contract with them. I sh- I do other stuff
1: now. Because that was Big, big Fun crafty, crafty Show, right? You did as part of that.
0: Yeah, that was at the end of my time there. Was the Big Fun Crafty Show, um, which was an arts and crafts reality competition show for um for kids, and uh, which was super fun. And then uh, a show called "Get Up and Move," which was like a dance like dance watch my dance moves and now enjoy some videos. That was the way music videos that's the way that show worked mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, and then snug's house
1: I, I don't usually ask questions like this of my guests, but what's interesting to me is that like you you were somebody obviously who who I knew when you were when you were younger, and somebody I also saw every day for for a number of years. <laughs> and, which is a fun uh, experience. Yeah, there you go, plus seven. But it, but it's. I'm, I'm always interested in what makes people, first of all, choose this this path, and then second of all, stick with it, because so much of success in in entertainment, to me, is simply not quitting and you know just sort of sticking with it until it 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 is it actually breaks and like you say just as you were getting tired of having a thousand jobs like the sprout audition came up and and that went your way so what was when did you decide to really like go for this yeah. in, a, in a real way wow uh
0: i don't know i mean i i know that i made the choice to study theater in college which felt like an important first step because i had also been considering like a like career as like a doctor or like something totally off Uh, yeah Mm. I was it was either like it was either a forensic pathology or theater (laughs) like those (laughs) were the things I was like super into the x-files uh great so um so getting into northwestern but even like when I when I showed up at northwestern I had an idea of what I was going to do which like I thought I was gonna like be in a cappella groups and then i was like oh i actually can't sing that well and do you know what i feel like roddy was a person that said to me like you you will be you, you're gonna have to write your own music because your voice is so specific but when you when you sing in like the place where your voice exists it's great but you're just gonna have to write your own stuff <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was roddy that said that to me at one point i oh, could wow. be wrong but anyway um so i i I think my experience in, in college, like I got really clear on here's when I am really alive and really engaged. And, uh, and I think I need to shape my career following that feeling. Um, and it was like surprising to me because like I auditioned for all these acapella groups that been freshman year. I obviously didn't get into any of them. Um, I, I did, get onto a a theater board right away and like started this like experience of being involved in this like, not administrative position, but in this like position of like creating the culture around a theater company Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of participating from that perspective. And then I did, I did improv and, and, um, and other stuff and like performing things at Northwestern, but I never, I never got into anything main stage shows i only did like the student theater shows so like i never was an a great actor and like didn't ever have like a ton of success in acting um but i i think i just i just like followed these like i was like oh the the after i graduated it was like okay the improv scene feels feels pretty good to me let me let me let me play here and then i started to feel like mm, i feel a little disconnected from this i actually think the physical theater red nose clown scene is where i need to be so you know playing out that and the nice thing about being a young artist in chicago is you can do things like take improv and clown classes and like afford to exist like Mm -hmm. i was able to kind of stumble through my my young artistry and work all these side hustles without burning out Mm -hmm. um so i got to figure out like what is it what do i actually like to do because i i eventually realized that the acting part like being in plays wasn't actually the correct fit and that the sort of like hosting or teaching seemed to work better and then um right I had been in Chicago for like, I don't know, four years and my agent dropped me because I wasn't booking anything because they were, I was getting sent out for all these like commercials where I was like playing a mom and it it just like, it wasn't working. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to reorganize what I'm doing here. Uh, (laughs) and I was like, I guess I'm good. I I think I'm better at hosting than I am at acting. So what could that look like? Mm -hmm. And I started to think about maybe redirecting to California and maybe trying to work for radio Disney at a higher level. And then the Sunday side up job came up and I was like, this is hosting and writing and making stuff for kids. And it's like all, it's like pieces of all the things I was already doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so falling into that, now that this is the place where I'm going to be forever. Like I want to make stuff for kids and families forever. But the, the journey there was a series of like pivots and like tune-ins. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm not booking things as an actor in Chicago. I'm not going to be able to make a living off of this. And I'm looking at all these people that can do this so much better than me. So like what am I good at? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay at this hosting thing, which is like in the same world, but it's a little different um, – but I still like playing dress up and playing silly characters, and how, how can I figure out a way to do that? And then sunny side up basically was that. So mm. it's a yeah. very long
1: answer to the question. Well, but it's it, but it also reinforces something that I've I've heard a lot, which is that the the atmosphere in Chicago of of performers who go there is much more. I don't know if nurturing is the right word, but certainly more relaxed, and you are kind of allowed to try and fail Mm. at things and it's sort of expected that you do. I mean, that sort of that second city vibe of being like, no, just give it a shot. Yeah. Whereas in New York and LA, things are a little bit more like, well, you didn't, like, you, you, you know, like, you gotta try, you gotta try, you got you, you didn't make it, you're never gonna make it. Oh, wait, maybe, well, never, you know, it's much more, like, sharp turns and ups and downs. And there seems to be a lot more, like, professional, but kind of more relaxed opportunities in Chicago. Yeah,
0: yeah and I don't people. know if it's a combination of, like, what my interest was and what this what the city could offer, but, like, it wasn't, I wasn't, like, trying to make it. Like, there was nothing, mm-hmm. like, it just, like, the culture is, is set up differently. I was, like, I was looking for an artistic home. I was like, who are the people that I want to make stuff with Or and and, and what kind of stuff do I want to make? And, and because the cost of living is a little lower than places like New York or L.A., um, you can afford to be biking up Lakeshore Drive on a Tuesday night with like three weird costumes for your detective clown show that you're going to perform with <laughs> your friends for no money that you're like, you know, writing in your free time, which is like helping you uncover your artistic voice and helping you uncover the way that you work and um i think it was it was a very like uh special and formative time that didn't come with the pressure of you got to book a job you got to book a job mm-hmm. and that and that job has to be a commercial or something that's like kind of disconnected from like an artistic experience like I still went out on commercial auditions and didn't book anything Um but most of my my time was like who's doing like plays that are cool or weird and like you know how can I work for them or with them or just like orbit them? And, and then I'm like teaching things during the day with like fun people to make money.
1: Mm -hmm. It seems like, I mean, you have this very unique combination of, of, of uh, being a very collaborative artist, but also being very self-sufficient as a person and sort of willing Mm. to sort of try a lot of different things and possibly fail and not take it personally, which I think is a huge advantage to somebody in this industry, like not taking the rejection personally, because <laughs> it feels personal all the time. And so you have to be like, no, it's just, yeah, it's business. This is just what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the i received a letter in the mail in a a, an envelope that i had addressed to myself which i guess they made us do when they took us on from my agency that said i was being dropped so like when i when this agency took me on right after college it was like we'll take 20 headshots and a self-addressed envelope and i was like cool here you go and then like four years later got that envelope in the mail i was like this is weird I sent myself a letter. What, what is this? And opened it up, and it was like, "We can't represent you anymore." And that did that. Oh. That hurt. I was like, "Oh man." Oh my yeah, god! Right? Um, but but I do think that I um, was like available for some of the less personal side effects of things, and like um, the the competition piece of it, of like being a young performer, which is mm-hmm. like really challenging to be like a young woman going to audition rooms where you're like. You know, it's the last five years. It's like everybody looks like you and is doing the thing that you do. Right. Um, I, when I was young, was in competition with my younger sister, Justine, for parts all the time. And she was infinitely more talented than I was. And so she, she was Annie and Annie. She was Gretel and Hansel and Gretel. She was the little girl in the musical version of Miracle on 34th Street. And I was always in the ensemble. Like, <laughs> I was not a leading lady. Like, Adelaide was it. And that was just because I was a senior and I could do the accent. But, right. like, you know, I I think I I had the experience of feeling really jealous of her for many years when we were kids. And I was like, This just so unfair. Like, this is supposed to be my thing. Like, your thing is horseback riding. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you can't just walk into my extracurricular and then be better <laughs> than me at it. Um, but... somehow I really and I think it was during the production of Annie when I like heard her like crush the sun will come out tomorrow and I was like okay I I can't hit any of those notes like I just can't do that so like can I look at her and celebrate the fact that she's crushing this even though I like I wish I could do that I can't I can do other things Mm -hmm. and so I, I made a little bit of peace with like that feeling of Watching somebody you love get the things that you want is like a huge part of being a performer. Like sure. your friends are booking and you're not, and uh, I think I I crossed that bridge a little bit when I was young, and so not to say that I never came up with that came up to that again, but it just helped having dealt with it once. First,
1: yeah, I was going to say it, it. You deal with it constantly. We deal with it all the time. Yeah. I mean, you you know the the profound experience I have all the time of of being in an audition room on the other side of the table. And when I'm we're casting a play that I've written and like parades of my friends come into audition and there's only X number of parts and that is just the way it is. And I want to yeah. cast all of them all the time. And I just can't. And they, I'm sure yeah. when it's over with, they don't get cast. Do go a little bit like I thought we were friends, man. And then, but like the the way you stay friends and the way you stay in the business is you go you let that thought hit you and you go, okay, that's irrational, and you push it away. You know, you know, you don't. The people who internalize yeah. it are the ones who just don't seem to. They don't seem to make it, or if they do make it, they end up very, very unhappy, <laughs> unhappy people. Because it's tough, yeah. enough, you know, without being yeah. tough on yourself. I think is a big. So the experience of having that early, and having that realization early of, of it would be a huge help to somebody who'd be like, you get a kind of a, yeah. a jump start on that kind of level of of uh, of jealousy because it's real and it it is profound. Um, and one another thing I'm hearing you say that I think is really important to sort of emphasize is knowing the self awareness to know what you're good at and that there's a place for you in the in this business somewhere. It may not be what you were shooting for, whatever that was, but like like you say, the difference is like I'm, i I want to be an actress but I'm not booking auditions, but I'm pretty good at posting. So maybe I'm a host. And like, that's a very specific skill set that not everybody can do. And it, it, it is important to find good hosts because we've all been to things that are badly hosted and it's the worst. So it's the absolute worst. And uh, yeah, anybody who's been to like an awards bank like, for, with your parents, like for some organization they belong to, knows that there are people who can, there are people who can't, and there's the worst, the people who think they can and absolutely cannot. But it, it's really, I think that it's, it's so interesting that you, you have the, the level of self-awareness that you can sort of trace back all the way back to this show, a, a sort of catalyst moment for you. That kicked you off into a path that you you certainly couldn't see, um, you know, at the time, but it's absolutely put you kind of right, I think, smack where you need to be to this day where people can tune in Saturdays at 11 Eastern and see you on Tubetown and do your, your show in <laughs> your apartment in the middle of this pandemic which is is so much yeah. fun, it's just absolutely so much fun, and I love the pictures you posted of the kids building their you know building their own it's just so great it's so oh,
0: much fun, oh my God, it really it gets me every every week uh the fact that they're they're playing along, yeah i mean i I wanted to do. Some, and I mean, it's like, it grounds me to be able to do that every week. Um, but the feedback that I get as parents are like, oh my God, we're saving our tubes. We're doing this together. Like, thank you for helping us like have an activity. And um, it's been, it's been a really, a really nice, a nice thing to do. And I think it, part of me is like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll try to like pitch it as something larger after all of this, or there's, you know, ways that I can, I think it can play nicely into like a, a larger um, mission of like how to be a citizen and how to build the the neighborhood that you want to live in. And,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know, things that I think are are super important um, things that kids need to understand right now, especially um, empowering kids to be, be a part of an active part of their community, a positive part of their community. But for right now, I'm just like, save your tubes, let's turn them into people, and let's build those tubes, a playground for them to have.
1: <laughs> and that's all you, but, but that's yeah, all think, you need. I
0: think, uh...
1: It's, it's all connected, though, to this whole, like, sort of philosophy, I think, that you seem to 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 have found and lived by, is this, like, well, here's where I'm at, so what can we do? It's this, you know... Yeah. It, it's never looking at anything... It, as like you know not to say that like life doesn't back up on you i know that it does but the sure every single turn is like well here i am so what am i going to do with that instead of going oh i'm here and i don't want to be here and that is really when you work in entertainment for for young audiences as i have you know a lot recently it is something I take very, very seriously, especially having kids of my own, that like that's the kind of attitude I want because I don't have that attitude. <laughs> my, my wife will tell you. I, I am a sullen Irishman a lot of the time <laughs> and I have to manufacture it <laughs> because it's the attitude I think that like, my, I want my kids to have. So like when they're out, I'm pretending I'm like that. And then, you know, they go to bed and I sit quietly for a while and, and re- recompress. But it is... It's so nice to have like somebody like you who has that attitude naturally pushing it out into the world in a time when we're all stuck at home and can't, you know, we're all kind of feeling kind of glum and it's nice to be like, hey, check it out. You know, you can, you can do this. You could be at home. What do you have? You have tubes. Let's make things with tubes. Who cares? You got a ton of them and toilet paper's hot right now anyway. (laughs) Great. You know, you've really tapped into something, I think. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess I guess there is a thread of about like okay, what what do we have right now? What can I do right now? What are my skills right now? Um, yeah, there's something about I guess it's like trying to cultivate just being present and not trying to make your circum make, make something into something it's not. Or um, you know, I couldn't I like just think of like career and work stuff. Like I couldn't just like transform myself into a person that could like sing real well and act real good I mean I guess I could have but um, I don't know yeah I think it's uh, it's liberating to just be able to kind of look with what's around you and let that kind of be enough because I think a lot of people are either thinking way too far ahead mm-hmm. or really stuck in the past again not to say that I don't do both things um, but I am always the happiest when I'm just like well, what's right here and right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes people are like, well, what are your goals? I'm like, I don't know, to just like keep feeling the way I felt when I did Godspell, which <laughs> was like, wow, we're doing something important. We're having a good time. People like it. People are having fun. We're working together. is magical. That's so great. More of that.
1: There you go. That's, uh, that's wonderful. What is, um to, to sort of like uh, bring it back to Godspell for a second, what is your favorite song? I think By My Side is beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: I think uh, um, I love Turn Back Oh Man because of what it means to me. I love the prologue, which we did in the Archmere production mm-hmm. so
1: much. Yeah, it's my favorite, favorite part of the show.
0: Um, yeah, right? I think, yeah, I think those are my, those are my top three. Oh, bless the Lord, my soul. <laughs> we beseech thee. I don't know. They're all good. It's I, like like...
1: You're, I want to point out to the listener, you're naming these off the top of your head. You're not reading a list. <laughs> you're, oh. you're, you know, <laughs> you're like hitting them. You're like, no, that one. I no, like that one. No, like
0: Just that going one. through the Rolodex.
1: Hey, well, they're all great. Like, Oh, it's my God. Not, all it, for
0: the best. All for the best. Mm.
1: That was my, the first I first time I saw this show, I was 10. I saw it at, at uh School Theater. And... I thought that song was magical oh. when they started doing the ContraPoint. Some <laughs> Distressed.
0: Yes, it's all, all your wrongs will be redressed. Yes,
1: it's all Someone's got to be oppressed. Yes, it's all the best. I absolutely thought it was like a magic trick. Yeah. Like it was an absolute I, it's a moment I very clearly yeah. remember of being like, what is happening right now? You can do that, you can sing like the same song on top of another song, and it's and it sounds okay. Uh, yeah, that's an absolute, like, that's a winner for me. Yeah, that,
0: that that actually probably, yeah, that's probably the best song in the show for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a delight to watch. And in our high school production, it was really, Joe Branco and Eric Longo really nailed that. I like that <laughs> I'm just, like, name-checking name this are, cast.
1: You are, left and right. Thank you so much, Carly. This was so much fun. It was so great to talk to you again. Where so people can find all the stuff you're doing at carlyshiraki.com. Yes, that's my website. Um, but definitely,
0: if you if you want to know what I'm up to, the socials: uh, Instagram at carlyshiraki, Twitter at carlyshiraki, Facebook.com/slash carlyshiraki, and uh, have some more really fun stuff coming up soon that I can't talk about but um but we'll be able to announce soon so i know isn't that such a teaser i love
1: (laughs) it i love it so much good and so tube town is saturdays at 11 o'clock eastern on facebook and instagram right
0: Yep, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, and yeah, it's it's interactive. So if you want to craft some tube people with me out of my apartment, it's very DIY, um, but very right. very fun,
1: very and- involved. I will say, like you you could say it's very DIY, but these these tube t- this looks pretty cool. I gotta say, I'm not you know I'm not blowing smoke when I say that. You 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 build some, and <laughs> doers build some pretty intense, like looking structures. So yeah. Yeah.
0: There We've got some regulars that like really have set the bar high. Like these kids are turning out exquisite cardboard
1: art. Father, hear thy children's call. Humbly at thy feet we fall. Prodigals confessing all. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Carly Shiraki for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal.